Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks, and welcome to episode 44 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week, it's the last questions and answers of 2018, and then some more thoughts about Christmas presents you might want to add to your letter to Santa. Welcome back to my weekly podcast and this week I'd like to firstly direct you to our new range of microscopes that are now in stock via our website. We've recently become an authorised distributor for Brunel Microscopes and can offer their entire range of products. For any beekeeper who wants to take a look more closely at honeybees, pests and diseases and maybe even check to see where your bees have been foraging by checking out the pollen in your honey... We have a range of microscopes to suit most budgets and lots of information to help guide you through the basics of beekeeping microscopy. I'm also working on an online microscopy course for beekeepers that will give you all the skills and know-how to really push your hobby to the next level. And if you're so inclined to complete the British Beekeeping Association's microscopy assessment, as usual, I'll leave any relevant links in the show notes. My thanks to those of you that have sent in questions for this, our last questions and answers session for this year. And uh, we'll move straight into the first question, which comes from Ian Haslam. And Ian says, hi, Stuart, what's the best way to feed fondant should they need it without taking the crime board off? Should I use an eek? Well, hi, Ian, and thanks, as always, for the questions that you submit Uh, There are, as always, several ways you can set up your colony to feed fondant through the winter if you need to. Lots of people will feed beneath the crime board, either by adding an eek or having a slightly extended rim around one side of the crime board, and then just place a thin layer of fondant directly onto the top bars of the frames beneath the crime board. An eek, for those of you who are new to beekeeping, is simply a low-profile rim, usually made of wood, that sits directly on top of the brood area. This could be the brood box on a single box configuration, or it may be on top of a super if you have a setup known as a super and a half, and this is where the super sits on top of the brood box. Some people place it beneath, but in this particular example that I'm describing, it would be on the top. The fondant is placed inside the eek, and the crime board is then placed on top of the eek and the roof going back on to top everything off. My personal preference is to simply rotate the crime board so that the feed holes or the clearer holes are directly above the cluster. A lot of crime boards these days have an offset hole as well as a central hole and these are my preferred style of crime board because it allows you to rotate the crime board to get the hole right on top of the cluster. Then I simply cut a hole into the fondant block wrapping and lay this directly on top of the hole. The warmth from the bees will warm up the fondant block and soften it sufficiently for the bees to immediately get to work on it. And and it really works quite well. So I hope that helps, Ian. The method that I've used has always worked well for me for many years. So uh, I would suggest giving that a try and see how you get on. Our next question is from Fran Barham, who asks... Following the discovery of Queenless Hive and subsequent combining with another stronger colony, I now have two brood boxes with a super of food 
underneath the lower one. Should I A, take the top one off, not sure how to do this, or B, leave it as it is? Any other advice for this predicament? Well, hi, Fran, and thanks again for the question. Uh, I know that I've answered this question directly for you as soon as you posted it because I could see that it was time sensitive. But for everyone listening here, this is the advice that I gave to Fran in order to deal with this situation. Personally, I would reduce the colony to either a double brood or a brood and a half, uh, but there are some caveats. If the combined colony is really large, then you could just leave them as they are. It won't do any harm having that extra space. The bees will still migrate to a particular position and cluster. There may be extra airspace around them that could chill, but the bees will cluster, and if they've got plenty of food, they should be okay. I'm guessing that you have no queen excluder on the hive now. As an additional comment here for everyone, you really shouldn't have any queen excluders on your hives right now. So Fran, if you remove a box, ensure you leave them with frames full of stores and not remove vital winter food by mistake, and then leave them with empty frames. Make sure that the queen is safely held in the hive and not accidentally removed. This is likely to only happen if you take out frames covered with bees, and don't remove any frames with brood in them, because these are going to be vital for the overwintering process. It could well be that you take the roof off and the top box is empty of food stores and bees. Then it's a simple case of popping off the crime board, removing that top box, replacing the crime board, pop the roof back on and that's job done. You will need to use your smoker to control the bees and obviously wear a bee suit. If you look in on them when it's cold, you should see if there are bees in the top box and that will help you with the thought process of how to tackle them. We've got warmer weather for the next few days so... Now might be the time to act if you're going to do something. But remember, you might be just as well to leave them with the stack as they are and sort them out in the spring. So I hope that helps a little. Next up is a question from Peter Giles, who asks, Where can I find some literature to help this new beekeeper work out how best to manage temperature, moisture levels and air circulation within the colony over the winter months, their national hives? Well, thanks for that, Peter. Uh, It's a great question. And overwintering honeybee colonies can be a stressful time for both the bees and the beekeeper. And I certainly understand your desire to find as much information as possible to help the bees overwinter successfully. If you're looking for a good book that details overwintering bees, look no further than Ted Hooper's Guide to Bees and Honey. It's a dated volume now, but it has lots of information in there, which is as relevant today as it was when the book was written. If you want to get into the science of beekeeping, you could head over to Randy Oliver's website, scientificbeekeeping.com, and take a look at some of his work. What I would say is the single main issue most beekeepers need to check is food stores and let the bees take care of the rest. Simply hefting the back of the hive might be all that you need to do to gauge whether there's sufficient food stores in there. And as long as you provide the bees with sufficient food, and this may need topping up with fondant, as I mentioned earlier, the bees will generally take care of everything else. They need a windproof and waterproof box to overwinter in, and they will sort out most everything else regarding humidity, temperature, and air circulation. It's what they've done successfully over thousands of years, and the best advice for most beginner beekeepers is to let them get on with it. Having said that, do take a look at the books and Randy Oliver's website. I'm sure you'll find 
lots more information there. And of course, it's all very interesting and helps develop the beginner beekeeper's own library of knowledge. Our final question this week is from Steve Golpin, who's from just down the road from where I live. So hi, Steve. Uh, Steve says, hi, Stuart. Similar question to Ian about feeding. Few of my hives, one a nuke, feel light and I'm concerned. Plus forecasted warm weather of 13 to 14 degrees, that's degrees centigrade, this week. And I'm thinking the bees could start to use more stores. It's suggested I place the fondant directly on top of the frames and this would kill a number of bees. If I place the fondant on top of the crime board and the cluster is not directly under the hole, will they find it? Syrup is 100% wrong, correct? Well, hi, Steve, again, and thanks for the question. It's a very relevant question for this time of the year, and the weather has certainly been playing its part again recently. We've had hard ground frosts here in Norfolk, followed by 14 degrees daytime temperature and bees out flying as if it were spring. The bees will certainly be using up their stores, and it's not anything to worry about generally until we get in towards the new year. And it's at this point that stores will start to run out for colonies that have been super active in the mild weather at this time of the year. This is where frugal bees, the near native or British black bee, can be a blessing. However, topping them off with a generous block of fondant will sort them out if you have any doubts, and it'll keep them going until the early nectar flows start in earnest next spring. Regarding the syrup, bees will take down syrup, but they just can't reduce the water content in it at this time of the year once the cold weather hits. We have seen milder weather, and in those conditions the bees will cope, but as we hit the winter proper, everything regarding syrup processing will halt, and that liquid syrup that hasn't been dealt with could start to either ferment or to grow moulds in it and this in turn could cause dysentery type problems for the colony when they most need that food. So I would only be giving fondant at this point on until early spring. I hope that helps. Well my thanks to everyone over this year for sending in questions for our regular monthly questions and answers slot. I hope you found it useful and we're going to pick it up again in the new year. Finally today my answers to those last-minute questions from loved ones of what do you want for Christmas this year? Well, I have a few suggestions for you, and hopefully there's something here for everyone and every budget. If you can't think of anything at all, then I suggest socks and pants. Always needed, and despite being a potentially boring choice, they're practical and useful all at the same time. However, let's see if we can get a few other suggestions above those two on your letter to Santa. So let's start with books. I've already suggested The Guide to Bees and Honey by Ted Hooper, still one of the most popular beekeeping books out there, and can be obtained for less than £10 on Amazon. For beekeepers wanting to get started in queen rearing, then a must-have book for your library is David Woodward's Queen Bee, Biology, Rearing and Breeding. It's an exceptional book and one I recommend to everybody. If you're thinking of developing better local bees, or your heart is set on trying to breed the British black bee, then Joe Widdicombe's book, The Principles of Bee Improvement, is another excellent bee breeding book, and actually just a useful book, regardless of the type of bees you want to raise. For those of you tempted by my recent discussions on microscopy, there are a range of excellent books out there to get you started. The booklet Pollen Grain Drawings of Dorothy Hodges is an absolute must if you can't get hold of her original book, 
which happens to be quite rare and very expensive. And it's all of the drawings that are taken from her original book, which is called The Pollen Loads of the Honeybee. Rex Sayers' books, Honey Identification and Pollen Identification for Beekeepers, are both great additions to the library, with a great key for identifying pollen from both your local area and the honey that your bees produce. And if you're thinking of signing up to the BBKA microscopy assessment for next year, then the beekeeping study notes for the microscopy exam are well worth getting hold of. I have links to all of these books on my website, and there's a link in the podcast show notes. Let's stay with microscopy for a moment. If you want to push the boat out a little, or you think you've been exceptionally good this year, then you might even add a microscope to your wish list. My personal favourites at the moment are the SP50 high-powered trinocular microscope and the BM1 long-arm stereo microscope. I like the SP50 because it has great optics and provides a good even light source without the need for delving into Kohler illumination, and that's another topic, and it's a really affordable microscope. The BM1 makes playing around with pollen in a watch glass easy, and when you're doing any form of dissection, you have more room to move around with than with the fixed-based stereo microscopes. I always found I was knocking my hand against the sides of my old dissecting microscope, but the BM1 gives me more room for my larger, slightly clumsy hands. If you don't think you've been that good, you could always ask for a camera such as the iCam or iCam Plus to add to any microscopes that you already have. These are great, but only work on PC computers. And like the DigiLite camera, which, by the way, works on Macs, they can fit either into the trinocular turret or can be fitted into the eyepiece by removing your existing eyepiece optic. Remember, these are now listed on my website, so do take a look at them, and they're super easy to find. If you're thinking of getting stuck into some queen rearing next season, there are plenty of small, affordable gift ideas that you can add to your wish list. Anything from a Genta or Nico kit to some simple queen cages. There's a price point for most gift ideas. And how about a Chinese grafting tool for 50p? If you check out my website, you'll find a few other ideas for gifts, such as the Bee Care and Hive Wash outfit, which is the one litre concentrate spray bottle and dosing syringe for just nineteen ninety nine, or maybe a BS Honey 2-in-1 nuke. You guys will know that I think these nukes are absolutely fantastic, and they're just thirty nine ninety five. But do make sure you get your orders in quick to get delivery in time for Christmas. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast, and we'll catch up again next time. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet.